Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Elimelech's family living in Moab, the conversion of Ruth, and Boaz's efforts to establish his permission for marrying Ruth despite her Moabite roots. These were all important links in the chain that led to the establishment of the Davidic dynasty. Join us as we speak with Rabbi Baruch Tversky about his adaptation of the Maharal Tzins' commentary on the story of Ruth. You're listening to New Books and Jewish Studies, a channel of the New Books Network, and I'm your host, Michael Morales. Boston-born Baruch Tversky lives in Beitar, Israel, with his wife and 15 children. He has spent several years pursuing advanced Torah learning in Kolel, authored many articles, and translated a number of books, and he's currently working on books of his own. Rabbi Baruch, welcome to New Books in Jewish Studies. Thank you. Good to be here. Would you give us a brief biographical sketch of the Maharal? Sure. <clears throat> he lived in Poland, 1768 until 1833. In the middle of his lifetime was Napoleon's war, and um, there, were, there were issues that he had to deal with because of the war. In other words, there were different problems that the Jewish nation endured, endured at that time that he was um, trying to help with. Mostly he was a genius and a, and a great scholar. He was 40 years, he was in the rabbinate, and, many, and um, wherever he was, he had students. M- many of his students became renowned um, rabbis, and um, his main goal wasn't to be a rabbi. His main goal was to be a teacher and a student. We we know that because when he became when at his second marriage, his second wife was wealthy, and he preferred to not be a rabbi. He was offered to be a rabbi in Warsaw, but he 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 chose not to take that position because he wanted to just teach Torah and to study Torah. He wrote forty books. And interesting, he was a miracle worker as well. He was known as a miracle worker. And there was a wealthy woman came in a wagon, a wealthy wagon, dressed very beautifully. And she told him about her husband, that her husband um, disappeared, ran away. She doesn't know where he is. And she wants to remarry, but she can't get re- she can't remarry because she's still married. So he told her, come again. The next time you come, come in a simple wagon and dressed in a regular clothes, uh, like a peasant, and, uh, and then I'll help you. So she came again, this time in a regular wagon and regular clothes, and he spoke to the, the Maraltsins, spoke to the wagon driver for, <clears throat> for a very long time, and, the, um, and then she, he called in the, the woman, and he told her that this wagon driver is actually her husband, and she fainted, she didn't believe it, but afterwards, she she realized that it's true, and she got divorced. There's another story that um, Friday night, he used to stay up late studying Torah. He had long candles. The candles blew out. So he went to a neighbor that also had long candles. And those candles, as soon as he came into that house, the candles blew out. So he understood that heaven is telling him something. So he thought about what he did wrong, and he realized that there was a woman that asked him to help her remarry because her husband um, apparently died, but there was no 
proof to it, not 100% proof. And, and without proof, she couldn't remarry. So he realized that he has to help her with this issue, and he studied the subject, and he found a way that she could remarry. And after that, there were many other women that were in the same predicament that were also able to remarry. So these stories are examples of also concern for others, miracles. And um, he was a be- very beloved rabbi at his time. And, um, and it was a pleasure to um, work on his book, one of his, work, one of his works. Now tell us about yourself and how you became interested in the Maharal. Okay, I'm 55 years old. I've, in, in this time, I've been a teacher for 10 years. I taught in different schools, mostly um, um, newcomers to Judaism or begin, or, or before newcomers, like just the beginning of, um, I mean to say like Bali Chu, at the very beginning of their process. And after that, for 20 years, I moved to Israel. And for 20 years, I've been writing. So I was born in Boston. Then I lived in New York, Sao Paulo, and then I lived in Israel. That's where I'm living here for the past over about 20 years. That's been I've been writing here, always Torah subjects, and um, that's basically my life as a um, as far as uh, business is concerned. I have um, 15 children, a big family, and um, many grandchildren as well. And you actually asked me to, my connection to the Meral Tzins. So I wanted to say that I wasn't really specifically connected to the Meral Tzins when I began working on the book. I mean to say that obviously I, I love all the Torah scholars and all righteous people, but my, my appreciation for this, but the reason why I began on this book was because when, it, when my granddaughter was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. And her grandmother also has an autoimmune disease, so it was possible that it was hereditary. Nothing's for sure because it could be that it would have healed on its own. But the Maraltzins gave a promise that whoever prints his book, he'll be his advocate from heaven, he'll pray from heaven. He wanted very much that his books be printed. So I figured that if he wanted his books printed, he probably also wanted it to be printed in English also. So this is something new that wasn't done before. So I printed this um, book into English. It's actually not the entire book because the entire book is actually the in the, the five books of Moses also and the five Megillot also. So it's much bigger the book, but it's one, this section of Rose I translated and I did it for that. It should be a merit for my granddaughter to become better and indeed she became better soon afterwards. And there are many, there are several stories that happened since then that we saw that his promise that he would advocate in heaven for whoever helps print his book came true. I have one person that helped me with the printing of the book with the expenses, and he wanted that his son, his son was was on drugs, and he was traveling and live in New York, but he was traveling in Cambodia and Vietnam. I'm not sure exactly why, and he wasn't. And the parents were very worried about him. He gave money to help me print the book. And um, the son recently came back to me. Uh, now he lives in Miami, and he opened his own business. And he goes to synagogue every day, and things are very much improving with him. And his parents told me that it's very possible because they gave money to help print the book. They're, they're convinced that it's definitely possible because of that. And there were other miracles that happened. And many, all generations, people say that um, trusted in this um, promise that he said that he will pray and he will be an advocate for whoever helps print his books. 
So you translated and elucidated the Maharal's work on the Book of Ruth. Your book's delightful title is From Moab to Mashiach. Would you give our listeners a basic primer on the message of Ruth? Okay, that's a good question because um, the, um, the actually the Talmud also asked this question because it doesn't seem to, we don't really know the reason why it looks like a historical book. It tells the story of of a, of a very um, prominent family that that um, suffered immensely, and eventually, eventually, we had children and grandchildren, and, and the King David was born. But it looks like a story, like a history. It doesn't seem to we we don't know exactly what the purpose is. So I think the purpose of the book is to tell us the story of the birth of 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 David. Um, we we actually read it on. Um, Shavuot, that's the holiday after after Passover. That's when we read the um, this this book because that was the day that David was um, born and died, and so it discusses his birth. And I think the whole book is about that. Now, actually, the last three verses of this book speak about David's birth, and it speaks about that um, Boaz had Oved, Oved had Yisha, Yisha had David. So it, we, it still needs to be explained why, why the book is so long, because if it was just to tell us about the birth, it could have been much shorter. But the thing is that each, set, each part of the story is part of how um, David was born. In other words, if any, part, any detail of this story would, would be missing, so the, the, um, I believe it wouldn't have, wouldn't, have, wouldn't have occurred. The birth of David wouldn't have occurred. So this is the this is written by the commentaries about um, Megillus Esther about the story of Esther. And many commentaries say that each verse in that story is part of the miracle. And I believe the same thing is happening over here. That each uh, verse of this book tells the story of how Esther was how uh, Rus gave birth to um, from her came out King David. And each part of the story, actually, the Maral sins in his commentary, he reveals how the um, how a, a, a deeper level to understand how everything was needed for this to happen. In conclusion, is there one particular insight you glean from your labors on this project that you'd like to share? Okay, so like we said, the um, the, the story, every part of the story was to tell us that that um, how King David came to be. In other words, it speaks about um, Naomi, who was the beginning of this family, how she was poor, and when she came to Israel, she was poor. Before that, she was wealthy, and um, that uh, that was part of the way that her daughter-in-law Rus met with Boaz, because Boaz helped them financially, and that that was the beginning that led to the relationship to the marriage of Boaz and Rus. So, in other words, at first they thought the poverty was a problem, but it ended up being that the poverty was always part of the story. Uh, Rus lost her first husband. It was also part of being of of, of her being able to marry Boaz, and that led to the coming of David. In other words, each step of the story that's mentioned leads up to the birth of David. And I think the same thing is happening today. That's what dawned on me after working on this for a while. It dawned on me that the same thing is happening today. There are things happening, especially in Israel, that are of historical um, interest. If one thing is the uh, growth of the Jewish nation. Right now, there's 7 million people living in Israel, which is um, phenomenal. There, was, there were times 
after the destruction of the second commonwealth, there were times there were a few hundred people in Israel. There were times there were 20,000, but 7 million is definitely, like uh, like I gave an example with my family, is an example of the, and I also wasn't born here, I came here. So this is all an example of what's happening in this country, that something is happening. The recent uh, elections um, demonstrated because there was, and right now what's going to be the upcoming government will have 35 seats of religious people, people that believe in God and, and keep the, um, the Torah, and 30 seats of um, believing people as well, maybe less religious, but also believing people. And that's a big difference that was never in, in the history of the state. When the state began, there was... Um, Ben-Gurion said that he wants that some Jews should be living here, some religious Jews should be living here as a museum. So when people come to want to, want to know what Jews used to be like in the past, they could, they could come and see a few Jews, understand what it was like when they were religious. He didn't. People didn't expect that the Jewish nation will continue in a religious sense, but things are things are definitely moving along, and it's probably all part of the process of the coming of the seed of David, which will, which will be the Messiah. And we're living right now in this, in the middle of this process. And when the Messiah comes, we'll understand how everything, how every part of this process had to be so to work out this way. Before we let you go, can you tell us about anything else you may be working on, other books? I'm working on a book about mikveh for, mikveh for men. So mikveh is uh, immersion in, in water that that they, um, mostly in our times is mostly for married women, but there is a concept of mikveh for men as well, and not everybody knows about it and not everybody practices it, but it brings a lot of purity, and that's uh, that's a book that I'm working on. Let's hope help I'll, I'll hope to finish it very soon, and I, that's. One thing I'm working on. I have other projects, but just at the beginning. What I do as as a weekly time, as a weekly job, what I do is I translate for a certain rabbi in Israel. He has um, he has um, a lot of readers, a lot of people that follow his ideas. And I work on his book and his um, weekly uh, pamphlet, and which is distributed around the world. Rabbi Baruch, it's been a pleasure spending time with you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. Friends, you've been listening to New Books in Jewish Studies, a channel of the New Books Network. Until next time, goodbye.